Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Wednesday to you, Golden Eagle fans. Listen around the state of Mississippi. It's the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson and Dalton Stanford from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Midweek edition, Golden Eagles really take one last night uh, to South Alabama. We'll be talking about that. Uh, with Bob coming up in the second segment, talk a little spring football with Jonathan Gary. In the third segment, happy to have you joining us wherever you are listening around the state. First segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Dickie's is a proud supporter of Southern Miss Athletics. You can enjoy Dickie's fall-off-the-bone ribs, smoked brisket, and other great meats smoked every day in-house. Dickie's caters any event, large or small, so the next time you have something planned, let Dickie's do the cooking. You can visit the home team next to Turtle Creek Mall in Hattiesburg. Dickies smoked here, loved everywhere, and we appreciate Dickies' support of the Eagle Hour. Well, Golden Eagles, uh, really, really uh, bad loss last night. We uh, we love our Eagles, we love our coaches, we love our players, but really, no way other than you could say a bad fifteen to six loss last night to South Alabama at home. Eagles uh, now drop down, uh, I believe, around. Uh, 64 in the RPI. I'll have that for you in just a minute. Actually, 62. So they drop 18 spots um, today in the RPI. But looking to rebound this weekend against uh, the Marshall Thundering Herd coming in. And and to give us a a preview of Marshall, Steve Cotton is in his 15th season as the voice of the Thundering Herd. And he joins us now in the Eagle Hour. Steve, what's up? Doing well. How about you guys? Doing great, man. Now, before we get to baseball, anytime a Conference USA team is playing for a championship, we want to know about it, and your herd basketball team playing for a championship. Yeah, Marshall was disappointed not to get to the NCAA tournament and uh, have a chance to do what it did last year, but Dan D'Antoni knew that he had a team that, uh, he was confident at least, that he had a team that would enjoy playing in the collegeinsider.com tournament, the CIT. And that's always a little bit of a crapshoot. Do you go to those lesser tournaments? Does your team really have the fire to keep going, especially if you have several veterans? Marshall has four seniors. But Coach D'Antoni said, you know what? My seniors love basketball. It's not like they're wishing they were on spring break or anything like that. And they're going to come out and play hard. And the Marshall fans... Got four more chances, it turns out, to enjoy watching John Elmore and C.J. Burks and those guys play basketball. So it's been a good experience, and Marshall will take on Wisconsin Green Bay tomorrow night for the CIT Tournament Championship. Where's that game going to be played, Steve? Marshall is hosting. Marshall had home games in all four of its uh, CIT games. So and it's been a lot of fun. We've had good crowds, and... You know, John Elmore just uh, continues to set and 
extend the records that he's already, you know, in the tournament and in the CIT. So this wouldn't have happened if Marshall didn't play this. He became Conference USA's all-time leader in three-point baskets made. That's on top of already being the league's career leader in points and assists and so many other records. So it's been fun. The fans have enjoyed it. And I think we're probably going to have a very good crowd for the championship game tomorrow night. Well, we hope John Elmore hits about 43 pointers in that game tomorrow night and uh, wish the, the herd best of luck and uh, hope they, they pull off that championship. Let's switch to baseball. Uh, Marshall comes in uh, to Hattiesburg this weekend. You guys are 17 and 10, 6 and 3 in Conference USA, won all three of your series. Uh, tell us a little bit about this Marshall baseball team and what Southern Miss fans can expect this weekend. Well, it's been a good start to the season because. As you know, the northernmost teams typically get off to the slow start because in the offseason they've not been able to get outside and work at it. And they're Marshall historically, since it joined Conference USA in the 2005-2006 year, has tried to come on strong at the end of the season and typically has played pretty well at the end. But Marshall's off to a pretty good start this year. It's the first time, as a matter of fact, Marshall has won its first three conference series of the year. So... Pretty good beginning to it now. It has been against FIU, Charlotte, and Middle Tennessee. Marshall still has to play the top teams in the league, and, of course, that starts this weekend. So Marshall, a 6-3, fourth place right behind uh, Southern Miss. So you're you're looking at two top-tier teams playing each other. It was looking uh, interesting, Steve. Golden Eagles, historically, uh, the last few years have had – trouble um with with left-handed pitching and and i was checking out y'all stats and you got two really good left-handers in your rotation yeah joshua shapiro is a guy who's uh been a little bit of a bad luck guy throughout his career but he's won 13 games lost 16 i think in his career and this year he is really pitching well Seven starts for him. He has uh, gone 39 innings, a 4-0 record. His ERA is 1.38, striking out more than twice as many as he walks. So he's holding opposing batters, as a matter of fact, to a 184 average on the year. And then uh, I believe you're talking about Ryan Falls, who's been coming out of the pen, but Marshall has a different situation. Wade Martin uh, possibly would have been the Herd's ace. Last year, early in conference play, Torres UCL had Tommy John surgery. He's just now coming back. So what Jeff Wagner did this past weekend, and it's only been two appearances for Wade Martin, one inning each, and uh, both within the last week or so. He's starting Wade, and that lets him, even though he's only going to pitch an inning, that lets him go through the full warm-up. You don't, it's not like he's coming in. It, on short notice, like a regular relief pitcher might. So he get, gets the full pregame warm-up and knows exactly when he's going to go, and that helps his preparation. And then the idea is to start stretching him out a little bit and maybe pitch into the second inning this weekend if, if things go as I think they probably will. And then Ryan Falls is the other lefty you've been talking about. And so I wouldn't be shocked if he comes in relief at a scheduled point after an inning or two for Wade Martin, and uh, Falls has pitched well. Uh, big lefty, 6'4", 6'5", well over 200 pounds, and when he's throwing strikes, he's really hard to hit. In fact, opposing hitters only have a two ten batting average against him, and it worked perfectly for Marshall last Sunday against Middle Tennessee. Wade Martin got the start, 
pitched his one inning of work, kept Middle Tennessee off the board, and then McNeil came in and pitched five innings, gave up only one hit, and ultimately Marshall had a uh, shutout of Middle Tennessee to take that series. So those two lefties are pretty good. Out of the bullpen, another left-hander and Patrick Murphy is a former starter who had some arm troubles, and uh, so Marshall's been limiting his work. He's only been pitching an inning or two at a time out of the bullpen. But uh, he's another one who's been pretty effective. So, yeah, Marshall does throw a few soft uh, southpaws out there. Talking to Steve Cotton, the voice of the Marshall Thundering Herd, as the, the Herd comes in this weekend for a three-game conference series against the Golden Eagles of Southern Miss. Offensively, Steve, uh, you, you got three guys batting over three thirty. Inskeep's got five home runs. Already 24 home runs for the Herd on the year. Yeah, there is some pop in the lineup, and uh, part of that is the fact that uh, you know that the, the the herd's home games are being played at a place called the Kennedy Center this year. Marshall, uh, for folks who might not know, uh, finally last month announced plans to build a new ballpark just off campus, and that's something that's been lacking here well, really forever. Uh, so that's great news. So instead of playing at the minor league park in Charleston, which is Marshall's been playing at for its uh, Conference USA games for several years, well, pretty much since it's been in the league, playing at a small ballpark. So that helps inflate the home run numbers a little bit, but there are several guys in the lineup that do have good pop, a lot of extra base hits. And, in fact, uh, there is a, even uh, the leadoff man or number two hitter, depending on who's pitching for the other teams, a guy named Eric Rodriguez, a center fielder, who has really been coming on this year. He's a speed guy. He is 15 of 17 in stolen bases on the year. But how about this? Last Friday in a series opening win over Middle Tennessee State, he drove in eight runs. So there is pop up and down the lineup, even at times from unexpected spots. Steve, uh, just about 30 seconds left. Uh, Tell us about Coach Wagner. He's been there 12 years. Uh, What kind of uh, personality and culture has he built in Marshall baseball? Well, he's a fiery guy, and he has done a really good job to keep Marshall competitive in Conference USA when you don't have a home ballpark. And uh, you're playing your home games in Charleston, or a lot of them in Beckley, which is located 90 miles away from Huntington. So he's been able to, uh, and it's been a lot of it due to Conference USA affiliation. Players want to come and play in this league. They know they're going to get noticed by scouts and everything. So he's uh, done a really good job to keep the herd competitive in tough situations. And now with a new ballpark on the way, I know he's really looking forward to having uh, something to recruit to like that. Well, Steve, uh, we, we wish you good luck tomorrow night on the hardwood. And then uh, this weekend, make sure you eat some good food in, in the Berg. And we'll catch you at the Pete. Thanks for being on the Eagle Hour today. Sure thing, guys. Have a good one. Steve Cotton, the voice of the Marshall Thundering Herd, as the Golden Eagles will entertain Marshall this weekend for a Conference USA series. We'll talk about uh, last night's loss to South Alabama with Bob Getty right after this on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 
Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by Campus Bookmark. Campus Bookmark carries the largest selection of Southern Miss merchandise in the state. Whatever you need from clothing, household items, car accessories, tailgating supplies, you can go see them on Hardy Street across from the USM campus, or you can always shop online at campusbookmark.net. Well, it was a what started last night as a awesome first inning. Uh, it went downhill from there. The Golden Eagles drop a 15-6 to uh, game last night at the Pete uh, against uh, South Alabama, as the game went on, the uglier it got. Eagles walk 11, six errors defensively. And other than Brian Bowen's uh, grand slam in the first inning, it was just really, really tough to watch. Bob Getty joins uh, me now. And, Bob, thanks for uh, for jumping on this segment. It was yeah. just tough to watch last night, wasn't it? Well, it was, Luke. Uh, I, I would say that it was just, you know, a, a, an odd night, except for the fact I look back at last Friday night and, and the team sort of played the same way, just played very poorly. Uh, I don't know what shocked me more last night, the inability to throw strikes or the inability to cleanly feel the ball. But, you know, anytime you walk that many people and you make that many errors, the odds are, odds are you're just not going to win. And I heard you talking to the South Alabama people earlier this week. It's not like they brought a real veteran ball team in here. It sounded to me like they lost a whole lot of their key kids from last year. And uh, they had a pretty inexperienced young ball club. And uh, I think the Golden Eagles just uh, simply fall apart at times. Uh, what's your observation? Well, you know, you, you look at they were going to throw Ryan Ock last night. Ock starts off, uh, does great, gets in a little trouble, has to come out. Find out really after the game um, he, he's got uh, something, you know, like a little nerve problem in his neck kind of forced him out. And then when when you bring in the pitching, Cody Carroll, who has been tremendous this year, got roughed up this past weekend, but you got to think uh, his stuff's just not there. He's going through one of those times because he gives up four runs last night. He comes in in place of Ock. And where we've been seeing those shutout frames, they didn't get them last night. Mm. You look at South Alabama, they don't score till the third. You're up 5-2 to two, five to two in the third, and then South Alabama scores one in the fourth, two in the fifth. One in the sixth, two in the seventh, four in the eighth, and three in the ninth. And so you go from being up uh, five to three um, going into the fifth inning, and then you get outscored uh, 12 to one after that. And it was just the walks. Um, it was just really tough to watch. But when you, you, know, you look at the lineup also, um, Walner goes 0, 0 for 5. Blaylock goes 0 for 3. Horde goes 0 for 2. Uh, Slater went uh, 0 for 4. Um, they're just not getting production, uh, and, and that's what's really head-scratching right now. Uh, you mentioned Matt Walner. Uh, we talk a lot about this kid. He gets a lot of got a lot of attention the last uh, couple of years and on a lot of preseason All-America teams, but he's just not having a good year, Luke. He's not – Nobody's going to pitch fastballs down the middle of the plate to him. We all understand that. But he has really struggled in, in um, you know, making contact with uh, the types of pitching that he's getting. And uh, his batting performance is just not there. And I think that in itself has hurt the Eagles' offensive attack a lot, don't you? Walner's batting two sixty six, uh, 25 hits, three home runs, 20 RBIs. You know, you, you look at that, um, but he has walked some. Uh, he's leading the team in walks at – or he's tied with the, the team in walks with Slater at 23. Um, 
I've I've kind of heard maybe he's he's uh, tried to nuance his swing just a little bit. You know, I, I'm not sure if the entire time he's dropped his hands as, as what he's doing it like now. But I, I just think you look back to the 2017 team. Braley protected him. You look at um, you know last year Reynolds protected him, and that's why they slid Slater up to number three. So it is I think um, a, a little different. He's always been a slow starter. But, you know, not this slow. And it's April. And so typically this is where Matt takes off. Um, I just, I just, I think there's a lot of things that, that may be coming to play here. Uh, but anybody who was at the ballpark last night after the game really saw how intense Coach Barry got. Uh, one guy actually said he was about 50 yards away and could hear Coach Barry, quote, lighting into the team. Um, you have to have we've, – we've talked about this, Bob. We've talked about Lee Marcus Boyd. We've talked about some of those crucial you know, leader components. And it, it may be one of the things they're lacking this year, um, somebody to mm-hmm. take care of it on the inside without the coaching staff being involved. That's a good point. Uh, I think that we can safely assume now that uh, we're getting pretty close to the – pretty close to the – time where the Golden Eagles are, are going to have to go win the conference tournament at the end of the year uh, to have any postseason hopes. you agree with that? Yeah, I, I just don't think unless um, unless FAU climbs a little more. Uh, when you look at the RPI today, Louisiana Tech is, is 65. Eagles are 62. So Eagles drop 18 spots in one day. Uh, the only thing I could think of is Florida Atlantic. Where are they at? I think they're somewhere in the 80s right now, or 91, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisiana Tech, if their RPI stays up, it's possible, but it's just hard to imagine Conference USA with everybody else being so low in the RPI. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to imagine us being a two-bid league. Well, it's not going to get any easier this weekend, and I heard your interview on uh, uh, Mr. Cotton from Marshall talking about the efficiency of their left-handed pitching. That's always been an Achilles heel to a degree for the Golden Eagles. But I, I go back to this more than anything else, Luke, and that's the number of errors. You know, you just – you cannot commit errors like that. If you, you go back to early in the season, uh, the Golden Eagles were in a pretty good position to win the series at Mississippi State until an error was committed that opened the door for the Bulldogs uh, to win that third game. Uh, errors Friday night, six errors last night. Uh, a team that has been uh, so efficient defensively over the past several years is making far, far too many errors. And uh, you combine that with a lot of walks and, and against a good team, you, you see what happened last night. So uh, I would think I would think step one would be to try to figure out a way to clear up the defensive errors, would you not? Yeah, I mean, and it's not just, you know, hard hit balls or, you know, it, it's like routine stuff. Right. And, and, you know, it's it's choppers that get through. Um, when, when you're lazy defensively or you're not making routines defensively, that that's mental because this is something you've done since – most of these guys have been doing this since they were six years old. You know, right. and, and you've been doing this as a team, uh, you know, since September. And so you're, you're, your head's not in the game when you're making that many. Same way with walks. I mean, you're, you're – you just you're detached in some ways from the game. So, this is one of those times of the season um, when you got a gut check, and uh, you know hopefully mm-hmm. there's some stuff. There, there comes a point. I remember when when Coach Bauer would sometimes get the seniors, or we had class reps, and that was basically two guys from each class uh, that he would 
you know, we, we would be responsible. He would bounce stuff off of us and talk. And there were times that he looked at it, he says, guys, I can't do it. Like, you got to do it. You got to take care of it. You got to do it right now. This is something the coaches cannot do. And there may be something that Oz, BA, Kaye, and Coach Barry, uh, as great as they are, sometimes mm-hmm. it's somebody inside that locker room saying, this is unacceptable. This will never happen again. And sometimes that's what it takes. So you're just interested to see how they come out. Uh, you'll, you'll learn a lot this weekend. Um, not, not talent because the talent's there. You'll learn a lot this weekend. Um, what, uh, you know, what's on the inside and, and whether or not they, they want to turn this around. Cause I think they're fully capable. Of you're, doing. you're saying they need a Dylan Bordeaux type of player to step up. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember one time Rod, Rod Davis took a mirror and stood in front of us. And we thought he was going to ream everybody. And what he said was, he said, guys, I looked in this mirror last night and I realized the problem's with me. And right after that, we ripped off six straight wins and won a conference championship. Mm-hmm. And, and you got to have that type of leadership mm-hmm. inside a locker room. So thank goodness we're at home this weekend. <laughs> well, let me say, too, and maybe this will make our listeners feel a little bit better. Uh, bad things don't only happen uh, to this baseball team. Uh, I read last night where Ole Miss, and we all know that's a very talented yeah. program, loses to a 3-15 and North Alabama baseball team. So uh, the Golden Eagles not the only one experiencing uh, – the only ones experiencing some issues right now. Uh, and, and, and like you say, Luke, there's no question about talent. Ole Miss – Southern Miss both have very talented baseball teams, but when you're losing games that you should never lose, and when you're performing like you did last night, and especially on your home field where you have such a proud record and such a proud tradition, uh, I think you're right. I think it's time for some players on the ball team to step up and uh, get the message across that this is not Golden Eagle baseball, not what the fan base expects, not what the fan base deserves, in all honesty, uh, as loyal as the fan base is. And it's certainly not what the coaching staff on this team deserves, as hard as they work to provide the program that they provide. We'll see Friday, right? Yeah, we'll see Friday. Mississippi State better be glad they didn't play yesterday because there's something blowing in the wind yesterday. North Alabama had like an RPI of like 289 out of 299 teams. Right. And they they, they beat down Ole Miss. So yeah, something it's hard, it's hard to figure. Hey, something. we'll be optimistic yeah. about Friday night, right, Luke? Yeah, we have to. And, yep. and we're going to cheer them on no matter what it is. Bob, there thanks for stopping Bye, by buddy. and hanging with us. We'll talk some spring football right after this with Jonathan Gary on the Eagle Hour. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Great plate lunches 
I would highly suggest the Philly cheesesteak as it is extremely good. Go over there and check out all their Southern Miss memorabilia, including that famous 1987 NIT poster, 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Well, continue on baseball. Uh, go back and look at what happened last night. Um, when you look in Conference USA, of course, Eagles drop a 15-6 to Decision to South Alabama last night. Virginia defeated Old Dominion four to two. Texas State defeated UTSA fourteen to one. UAB beat Samford seven two. Middle Tennessee defeats Murray State eight to five. Rice defeats Sam Houston. Rice got a little streak going there, eleven to five. And then Vanderbilt uh, defeated Western Kentucky five to four. So Golden Eagles looking to rebound and. It's got to come. Uh, last night, we, we've seen Eagles drop after good pitching, and the offense really hadn't taken off. But offense uh, spotted five runs in, in the first with that, that Bowen grand slam. And you talk about somebody that's uh, been coming on really well, Bryant Bowen, uh, right now batting 371 for the Golden Eagles, four home runs, 19 RBIs. And, and just with that uh, – Oh, that grand slam that he hit uh, in the first inning, you you thought that there was a really good uh, opportunity for the Golden Eagles um, to to really take that one, uh, but just really, you know, just not, not able to do it. Uh, Conference USA, uh, so, some more games tonight. Western Carolina's at Marshall. UNC Asheville's at Charlotte. Uh, Florida Atlantic is at Miami. McNeese State is at Louisiana Tech. And FIU at Houston. So Golden Eagles, uh, look. To rebound, a 6 p.m. contest Friday, a 2 p.m. contest Saturday, and then Game 3 will be at 11 a.m. this coming weekend. Shifting gears to football, Golden Eagles had uh, their scrimmage, uh, first scrimmage of the spring. Uh, This past Saturday, Jack Abraham being praised uh, for his leadership ability, but also uh, just uh, for, for throwing the ball well. Tim Jones has really shown as well as freshman Chris Scruggs and so I just wanted to talk a little spring football and, and glad to have with me former offensive lineman for the Golden Eagles Conference USA champion Jonathan Gary. Gary what's up bro? How you doing Luke? Doing good man thanks for coming on today. I want to talk uh, spring football and you know I was a kicker or, or a punter um, but what you're not a punter, you're a kicker, kind of like a Sprite is a Coke, a punter is a kicker. And uh, we were specialists, and so sometimes people, you know, didn't really, you know, let us do that much in the spring. Spring was pretty pretty boring. For an offensive lineman, what was spring football like for you? Spring, spring football was typically a grind um, for offensive linemen, um, really just for any, any really physical position on the field. Uh, a lot of times, spring football is uh, a time where sort of the positions are open. People are competing for playing time uh, in the fall, and there was, there's obviously competition like in fall camp and things like that. But but spring is is really sort of where the rubber hits the road for when you earn your playing time, and uh, so a lot of a lot of that um, is dedicated to that to that time in the in the season. Then also just like learning learning the offense, uh, learning how to play as a unit, things like that. 
This Golden Eagle Spring Edition has been with a new offensive coordinator. Buster Faulkner comes in from Arkansas State. Uh, and in some ways, it's it's like what uh, Shannon Dawson ran. In a lot of ways, it's not. And, and I know some of you out there breathe a sigh of relief when, when you hear that. But at the same time, what is the difficulty, Jonathan? Or, or what are these players facing now? New terminology, new play calls. Uh, how, how tough is it to learn a new offense in the spring? Yeah, a lot of times, um, just learning the new offense depends on on the offense that you ran before. So, a lot of times it depends on the the previous offensive coordinator. So, um, it depends on how closely the systems work together. Is what I mean. So, let's say you have you know one offensive coordinator who is a a spread offense guy, and uh, so you know a lot of times the only things that will change is is what you call things. Um, and it doesn't take that long to learn those those things. I, I did it twice um, while I was at Southern. I went through three different offensive coordinators, and each time we had different terminology, but essentially we, we sort of did the same thing. I guess the, the biggest change came when um, the last offensive coordinator that, that we had in 2012 after we won the conference championship, we, we made a somewhat significant shift in, in how we did things, and uh so that was a little bit more difficult to learn. We had to learn not only terminology, but also uh, just sort of a different scheme. Um, so depending on the offensive scheme for these guys, you know, it, it will determine how much they have to, how much new things, I guess, they have to learn. Um, so there will be a lot, of, I guarantee you right now, they're doing a lot of learning, a lot of either new terminology, that's guaranteed. You can guarantee that they're learning a lot of new t- terminology. Um, but it's, it's really possible as well that they're going to be learning just some different schemes um, of all Spe- specifically specifically you know you're, you're learning that but but take our take our listeners inside like how does that learning process take is it on your own obviously it's meetings it's practice but yeah. I mean yeah. you just sit down with your position coach and he says okay this is what you called this this is what we call it now. Yeah. So they, they will have already started doing that. I mean, day one, when the new offensive coordinator is hired, they're going to get they're going to have an, an offensive team meeting with everybody in the offense. Will uh, will be in the team meeting room, and he'll go. He'll give them their playbook. Um, and then over the course of the next months, I'm sure they they probably have position meetings with their coach, where each position breaks down into um, just position meeting. So offensive line will meet with the offensive line coach and wide receivers with the wide receivers coach, quarterbacks with quarterbacks coach, so on and so forth. And they'll they'll watch film from the previous offensive coordinators uh, school and they'll go over um, just sort of the, the new schemes, the new terminologies. Um, and then we used to call them mental reps. So when you're in the film room you get mental reps. You'll You'll, uh, you know, the, the offensive coordinator or, or your position coach might pause the film on a particular play and say, all right, what's your responsibilities here? And each one of them will have to go down the list. Well, here's what we would do here. And so they'll go through in the film room, even before spring, they've already done this. Um, and they'll be learning that, that offensive scheme. Um, and then, you know, through the spring, they'll just be perfecting that. Each, each day they'll, you know, they'll go to class. They'll do their normal routine. They'll go. Uh, to the field house, they'll have a meeting, they'll go get dressed for practice, they'll go practice, um, and they'll, they'll do everything they've been learning. And then after, uh, they'll typically have a short meeting, um, but the next day, so tomorrow, what they'll end up doing is they'll watch the film from today. Um, they'll go over every single rep, 
that they had. Um, their coaches will be correcting everything that they did or didn't do. Um, and they'll, they'll try to get better tomorrow from what the mistakes, especially that they made today. Does that help? Yeah, it's just great. I mean, just our listeners love being taken inside like that and, and you know, what's what the student-athletes are, are going through. You, you look at these scrimmages, they'll have a few of them, and then April 13th uh, is the spring game. I remember those those scrimmages. Man, it got intense, uh, and, yeah. and uh, partly was because uh, Jay Hobson was on the field then. He's in charge now. and I just remember the intensity. Sometimes uh, the spring scrimmages were more intense than the fall practice. Yeah, I mean, we used to – I remember there were some there were some spring scrimmages that we had where we would run up to you know 200 plays a scrimmage, which is a crazy amount of, of plays. Yeah, um, you know, in a game in, in a in a game where there's a lot of offense. I mean, there's high scoring games. You're talking, I mean, a great a great number of snaps that an offense might run is. I'm talking like this is very high, 120. Um, so that would be like a you know, your top-tier offenses in the country. If they can get 120 plays in, that's a lot. So if you're running 200 in a scrimmage, that's 80 more than your, than the most you could ever possibly run in, a, in an actual football game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they were in super intense. And those are the moments where you're really trying to earn playing time. Um, I mean, you can – it's one thing if you're if – you're, especially for an offensive lineman, I'll just speak for – my experience. It's one thing if you're if you're really really great and say like an inside rolling drill. Um, I'm not going to explain what that is if if you think people need to know. But it's one thing if you're in practice and you're doing an inside rolling drill and you're really great at rolling blocking. It's a whole other thing when you have to put the whole thing together. Everybody's on the field. If you're playing against them, you know it's eleven against eleven, and you go out there and you perform. Um, it just says something different to the coaching staff than than if you just performed well, say in like a, a drill in practice. Um, and plus, like coaches, they'll be grading you on how you perform in those scrimmages typically. So you'll get, I guess I can explain that. You, you get grades um, depending on how you play. Um, and you, get, you can get positives and negatives. Uh, depending. And they, what, what your position coach does is they'll go through and they'll, they'll literally grade every single snap that you play in. Um, if you did your job well, that'll count as like a zero. If you did something really well, you'll get a point in favor. If you didn't do something very well, then you'll get uh, a negative point. So they'll grade every single snap that you that you have, um, and they'll. Yeah. So, so those scrimmages are just incredibly important for for any playing time. So that makes yeah. them really intense. Hey, Jonathan, we're up against a hard break. You stick with us through the commercial break. I want to ask you a couple more questions? Is that cool? Okay. Yeah, that's great. More with Jonathan Gary right after this on the Eagle Hour. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by Carter's Jewelry, located in Petal, Mississippi, and online at cartersjewelry.com. Go get one of those famous SMTTT necklaces 
bracelets, jewelry line, Carter's Jewelry, where every Southern Miss Eagle needs to go. Proud sponsor of the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour. Softball back in action tonight. Coach Wendy Hogue takes her Lady Eagles um, to Mobile to take on the South Alabama Jaguars. Maybe we can get some revenge from baseball last night, but that game will be at 6.30 down in Mobile. Ladies Golf finished up a three-day tournament yesterday. Henrietta Sear um, carded a 76 in the third and final round, and uh, Lady Eagles shoot a 9.23, which is they finished 12th, but a couple of uh, uh, career rounds. Uh, Valeria Pichardo shot a 74 and 75, which were the two best of her career, and so now the Lady Eagles turn their attention to the Conference USA Championships, which will be next week down in Fort Myers, Florida. We continue with Jonathan Gary talking a little spring football and Jonathan, uh, you you played with some some really good ones, Austin Davis and on offense, uh, Jamie Collins on defense. I was curious, um, did did those guys approach spring practice uh, differently, or was it just kind of the same to them, or were they just so good it didn't matter? So here's the thing, Jonathan. About you Austin. there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so the thing about Austin, uh, I'll just start with him. He he definitely approached spring differently, uh, but not not in a bad way. He was just a he's just a competitor in every way that you can imagine. And uh, you know, I think he came in when he came in as a walk on. He sort of came in with a chip on his shoulder, and every year the guy just worked. Um, so it didn't matter. It didn't matter if he was he 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 knew he was going to be the starter um, every year. Um, but that didn't matter to him. I mean, he worked incredibly hard. He was, you know, obviously an incredible athlete, a really, really good quarterback, and he worked hard all the time. Um, there were some other guys, you know, I could I could start naming some guys that they weren't quite the same way. They were just incredibly, incredibly talented. Probably didn't approach spring the same way because they knew they'd be starting. They didn't have to worry about those those things. Um, but I mean, Jamie, like Jamie, he was a hard worker as well. He always he always he was definitely confident that he would start, but. But again, I mean, there's there's a there's a part of college football I think where even the best players, um, if they don't work at some point, you know, they can they can always lose their position or at least lose playing time. Um, you know, you all, you often you, every team has those, those players on the team that uh, that are just better than everybody, and you're, those two guys are great examples of that. I mean, they probably could have not practice hard in spring or done, you know, extra work or anything like that, and they probably would have started anyways. But those two particular guys in general, definitely, um, they work hard. And most of the guys I've played with worked incredibly hard. Um, you know, a lot of that will have to do with the coaching staff, get just how they can, how they're able to motivate guys who are um, just really talented. And uh, I think, you know, for the most part, guys, guys pretty much perform the same way. They work pretty hard. Last question: um, Whoever won the spring game, uh, what was what did the winners eat? What did the losers eat? Oh, we didn't do that. I, I don't wow. know. I don't even know. Coach Bauer, did, did y'all do that with Coach Bauer? Yes, winners got like massive amounts of beef. Losers got hot dogs. Since you we were specialists and me. played for both teams, me and Darren McCaleb got to eat what the winners ate every year. So our spring games were the most fixed games of all time. We, you would have like all the starters on one, and then all the backups on the other. Is that how Fedora did it? That's how we did it every year. 
<laughs> you wanted you wanted his offense to look good. I guess that's what it was. We got to put on the show, you know. That's good. Well, Jonathan, thanks for joining us today, man. Always good to have you on, and always good to uh, how you take us inside. And uh, appreciate, man, you joining us on the Eagle Hour today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Luke. Jonathan Gary, former Southern Miss offensive lineman, and, and I really appreciate the perspective. I hope you heard a uh, third segment. If you missed it, go back and check out uh, either on demand at supertalk.fm or uh, catch us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, and, and he was really explaining, you know, how this new offense is being implemented. And some of you may have already known those things, but it's really cool to hear from a player's perspective, you know, as, as you learn this offense. So appreciate, uh, Jonathan joining us, also uh, Bob Getty for talking through last night, and then Steve Cotton in the first segments. Marshall gets ready to come to town, and, and we'll end with baseball today. Really too early, but Baseball America has their projected field of 64. And what do you know? Golden Eagles right now um, are slated to go to Starkville as the two-seed. Mississippi State uh, projected to be a six-national seed. Florida State as a three-seed. Wow, that would be a... A tough first-round matchup. And then Alabama State, the fourth seed. All this is conjecture, ladies and gentlemen. No one can uh, see a crystal ball. No one can look through it. But uh, Golden Eagles right now, according to Baseball America, slated to be a two-seed. Tell you what, in order for that to happen, got to play a little better and looking forward to how the Eagles will, I'll go ahead and say it, how they will rebound on Friday night. We appreciate you hanging out with us for this hour. Kelly Sander will be joining me tomorrow on the Eagle Hour, and we'll catch you the same time, same place. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.